0: We have talked about preparing for success on Agritalk more than a few times, and we're going to focus on that this morning with previews of two upcoming events that are designed to recharge, refocus, and drive ambitions for the year ahead.
1: Live from the land where the government just needs to be shut off and turned back on again via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with an extended conversation with Margie Eckelcamp from The Scoop, and it's Monty Shaw from the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association, and directly following the news, Greg Henderson from Drovers, I'm handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, and now, the host of AgriTalk, Chip Laurie.
0: Yeah, remember the old Control-Alt-Delete?
1: I sure do, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It. It's basically the same thing as shutting it off and restarting, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it kind of feels that way. It feels like we need to do a control alt delete Mm -hmm. on the government and, and get things restarted because odds of a government shutdown, according to Wiesmeyer seem to be on the rise. And, And that is more than a little scary. Um, Hey, Perry, Iowa, we've, uh, we are watching what's happening down there, we there was a, a shooting incident at Perry High School this morning, and uh, I I don't know many details. There is a, as a matter of fact, there's a, a press conference happening right now uh, at Perry High School to provide some of the details that I wish I had. Uh, yeah. But um, not a good situation on the first day back to classes for the the, well, the families and the community down there at Perry.
1: And here's the thing. For, for most people, for a lot of people, the holidays are a very joyous, raucous, yep. super fun occasion. For other people, it's the opposite of that. And this can be a time when people are really experiencing some things and processing some old hurts and memories and things like that, I guess I'm just saying, you know, uh, the people that you love and you're just maybe little check-ins here and there. How you yeah. doing, buddy? I was thinking about you the other day. I thought right. I'd give you a call. I thought yep. I'd send you a text. Just say. Right.
0: Yeah. That's a great idea. Great idea. Um, it never hurts to do those checkups on friends yep. and family and, yep. and people that uh, that might need that from time to time. But we're thinking about everybody down there at Perry. We uh, absolutely are. We've got uh, we we've got a, an opportunity to learn about opportunities. It's a learning opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> coming our way today. We're going to talk with Margie Echo Camp about uh, top producer summit. And Monty Shaw has got a meeting coming up one week from today that ha- has the possibility to be uh, a driver for. Iowa uh, uh, biofuel policy in the year ahead. So we'll learn all about it. All right, let's get to the news.
1: You bet. Well, let's start with the National Weather Service short-term outlook. Snow expected for portions of the Four Corners region and adjacent high plains today. Showers and thunderstorms with some locally heavy rainfall forecast from Texas late Thursday into the southeast Friday. With storms, uh, a storm system traversing the Gulf Coast, a series of Pacific storm systems We'll keep low elevation and coastal rain. Uh, in the interior, we'll be looking at a wintry mix and high elevation mountain snow in the forecast for the Pacific Northwest, Northern Rockies, and for the Great Basin. But yeah. looks like still kind of quiet-ish here in the Midwest, Chuck.
0: Well, it depends on what's going to happen on Monday and Tuesday next week. That's right. Uh, it, we've we've got a system coming in. It the details of it continue to move around and yeah. shift where the heaviest snow might fall. Uh, whether it's going to be snow or if it's going to be rain. So mm-hmm. still trying to get a, a bead on what exactly that is going to be when we get to, uh, to next week.
1: Well, Chip, the number of Americans filing for unemployment benefits dropped by 18,000 to 202,000 in the last week of 2023, and that's firmly below market expectations of 216,000 to mark the lowest claim count since October. Chip, I get awful confused with these. If, the, you know, you want lots of claims or, n- no. I don't know. Is this good news?
0: Yeah, yeah. It, okay. It, w- it would suggest a stronger jobs market than what was anticipated because fewer people are filing for unemployment. So, okay.
1: Uh, it's kind of like job- a double negative, isn't it? Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> fewer jobs, fewer layoffs were handed out in, in the week. Yeah. Got it.
1: Well, in 2023, bankruptcies in the United States increased by 18%, with several factors contributing to the rise. Uh, those factors include higher interest rates, of course, stricter lending standards, and the gradual reduction of pandemic-related financial assistance. The year saw roughly 445,000 bankruptcy filings, and that compares to 378,000. In 2022
0: that is a big increase 18 percent. stricter lending standards Mm -hmm. uh tightening down you know the we we've seen it in farmland purchases Mm -hmm. where they they are generally speaking the lenders are very strict on what's going to be available for purchases of farmland
1: well as you said the risk of a government shutdown is increasing as senate and house conservatives demand border security measures in exchange for funding the government they are pushing for stricter border control to address the flow of migrants into the country, citing concerns about the southern border's security. In other news, according to the Times of Israel, the Israeli government is in talks with several countries, including the Democratic Republic of Congo, to relocate Gazans in the wake of Israel's invasion of the Gaza Strip. Iranian leaders have vowed revenge for a pair of bombings that killed dozens of people a day earlier in the country's southeast. And the Wall Street Journal reports... Russia is planning to buy some short-range ballistic missiles from Iran. That's a step that would enhance <laughs> Moscow's ability to target Ukraine's infrastructure at a critical moment in the conflict. Chip.
0: Yeah, nothing is calming down. No, nothing it's not. Is mo- no. That, that's what no. that section was, yeah. Yeah, everything is ramping up geopolitical issues yep. around the globe. Good stuff. Thank you, Davis. Appreciate right it. All right, let's bring in Greg Henderson, editorial director at Drovers. How you doing, Greg?
2: good morning chip i'm great how are you
0: doing just fine tell me about what's happening in this cash cattle trade
2: well yeah we've seen higher prices already this week uh, chip and and the new year marks a change in the seasonal trend for beef generally that's because the holidays are over and you know the the demand for those high-end products like tenderloins and ribs that's gone way down this year those those tenderloin prices are off uh, $41 a hundred weight already. And that's driven the choice boxed beef price down $15 a hundred So lower cutout values mean packers are struggling to make any money. Uh, they're going to be less aggressive, you would think, right? But they do need inventory. And the cattle and feed report from last month shows that Cattle feeders need to move that inventory, so we're kind of in a conundrum here, but right this week, Chip, looks like things are moving in the cattle feeders' favor. Um, we'll see how that plays out in the coming weeks, but the fundamentals are still strong for the rest of the year. We've got tighter supplies, and eventually we'll yeah. get into those smaller fed cattle numbers, which will help.
0: Yeah, yeah. And those smaller fed cattle numbers I mean it's something that's going to show up by the end of the first quarter, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. you know we've we've yeah. got this the group uh, we've got the numbers right now higher than they should have been given the trends of last year. but yes, we will get through this and uh, the second quarter will be uh, probably decidedly different. Yeah
0: yeah, all right. Hey, Greg, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Happy New Year to you, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.
2: Happy New Year, Chip.
0: All right. That is Greg Henderson, Editorial Director at Drovers. You know, I remember a time when Christmas did not have that much of an impact on beef demand and those those rib prices. But, man, oh, man, it's a, a big, big, big influence now. All right. We've got Margie camp up next here on Agritalk.
1: The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855 4 Talk Ag. A little secret that nobody knows.
0: Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us on this Thursday morning. Uh, We talk with this next guest every Wednesday morning. She's the editor of The Scoop, which serves ag retailers across the country. Uh, But Margie Echolkamp is also the editor of Top Producer Magazine, which means she heads up the annual Top Producer Summit. TPS 24 is coming up soon. And Margie joins me right now to talk about what is going to be happening in Kansas City. So, Margie, welcome back. How are you?
5: Hey, Chip, doing well this morning and excited to share what the team has cooked up for the first ever Top Producer Summit in Kansas City. Yeah. So we have been hosting this event at Farm Journal for quite a long time, first in Chicago, also in Nashville, but we're bringing it to Kansas City February 5th through the 7th. 2024 at the Lowe's Hotel. It's an outstanding brand new hotel there yep. in downtown Kansas City. And we have a packed agenda.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You certainly do. As I was uh looking through the agenda and have looked through the agenda, it it uh is is pretty impressive, you know, and Kansas City. Uh it it has it has become that Midwest location for events like this just because of how, you know, consumer friendly the whole downtown area is.
5: Yes. So we do have a Wednesday night event at the very popular power and light district, uh, as a networking social event, but Kansas city, as you mentioned, easy to get to, they've got that brand new airport. So we're really looking forward to seeing everybody in Kansas city.
0: Right. Okay different tracks available at TPS 24?
5: So we have integrated something for everybody on the farm, no matter what your role as you're looking to really elevate your farm business and your leadership role. So we have a panel for those farm office managers, maybe the unsung heroes on the farm, right? The people Mm -hmm. who make sure that everybody gets paid and everything, the ship runs smooth. Uh, So we have a panel talking about how alignment within the whole team can really elevate the operation on that farm. We also have definitely general sessions and breakouts that appeal to that next generation of leader, perhaps the younger generation of leader on the farm and how they can be inspired and harness their unique abilities to help the farm become a top operation. Right. We also have content for women in agriculture. So again, no matter yep. who you are on the farm, what role you serve, what role you want to serve, we want to help that be elevated with our education sessions.
0: Strategic planning has always been such a big part of TPS, Margie. And what I hear is that you're going to continue that that whole process there because there's going going to some events and and learning about concepts is one thing but when you put people up on stage that are using those concepts and and kind of writing the manual on on how to to efficiently run the businesses when you put them on stage that's when the r- learning really kicks in
5: yeah so i want to highlight definitely our breakouts as well as our general sessions here chip and so specific to our breakout sessions we have multiple sessions to help with overall farm inputs, whether that be kind of analyzing the fertilizer black swans that we've had fly in, also where to find margin when it comes to your crop inputs. We also have a whole set of breakouts around marketing and the farm economy, including a new era of marketing with Jerry Golke. We have a session provided by one of the experts from Terrain on trading down and the geopolitical landscape and how it impacts agriculture. We have a panel discussion hosted by Andrew McRae with Young Farmers, those next-gen leaders. We have Shay Folk talking about how to plan for profitability in 2024. And we also have Paul Neifer talking about two very important tax implications. Also on breakouts, we have multiple sessions on technology because we know technology is so important to our top producer audience, including analyzing your farm's technical debt as well as space weather. So Chip, how solar flares could impact the reliability of your GPS and technology on your farm. So two big ideas there. And then again, we have multiple sessions on leadership, including some new immigration solutions to help fill your void on farm labor. Now, our general sessions are all star presenters. We have somebody who calls himself the patron saint of crazy ideas. He's a young (laughs) entrepreneur, and he is gonna help all of us think outside the box. We also have somebody outside of agriculture, but coming in to help bring us big ideas. Her name is Vanessa O'Brien. She is the first woman to achieve the grand slam in some extreme sports in mountaineering and others. So Vanessa is going to help us realize how we can challenge ourselves to achieve really great things. We have Nate Kaufman from the KC Fed coming in to give an Ag Econ Outlook. And we have our friend Jim Wiesmeyer talking about 2024, a presidential election year, and what we should know on beyond. Also to highlight, Charlene Fink, our president at Farm Journal, has an opportunity to host a fireside chat with Howard Buffett. Howard Buffett has been a leader and been able to report back on what's going on in Ukraine. And so I really look forward to that discussion as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and what is happening in Ukraine is obviously has so much, so many implications to what is going to be happening here in the U.S. and the U.S. farm markets because of the uh, disrupted grain trade flows around the world and, and. um the impact on our markets here. One of the things that you mentioned, and I think that this is, it, it caught my attention, find margins. Where to find margins in your operations. I think that, I love that approach because it gives, it it, it puts activity in your your marketing plan, in your strategic plan for the year ahead. I can't wait to see that one.
5: Well, and you're spot on, Chip, because so much of what makes Top Producer great are the top producers that attend and the ideas that they're willing to share with one another. So when it comes to finding an idea or a nugget of inspiration and then bouncing that off fellow attendees, the other huge highlight of Top Producer Summit is going to be our award banquet yep and i will share we have five outstanding award winners we have three top producer of the year finalists from all across the country we have our next gen award winner and we have our women in ag award winner that we will all present and celebrate at that banquet on tuesday night so again Folks, we want everybody to log on to TPSummit.com, Top Producer Summit. It is coming up very quickly, February 5th to the 7th. And at the very end, we'll have that night out at Kansas City Power and Light District to end on a little bit of a fun note.
0: Yeah, not a little bit. It'll be a fun note.
5: It'll be a fun note. And Chip, (laughs) I should share too, you're going to be there.
0: Absolutely. How could we
5: not say that?
0: Yeah, yeah, I will be there. Uh, we will be broadcasting AgriTalk from the event, of course, and, and featuring some of the speakers and, and some of the award winners that uh, will be in Kansas City with us the, That uh, the first couple of days of the first full week of February, February 5 through 7 in Kansas City. So definitely, definitely looking forward to it. You mentioned this a little bit, but... The networking opportunities and the willingness of the people that are at Top Producer Summit to share ideas and to, to help others troubleshoot issues that they've got on their farm, it, I, there's not a conference better for that kind of interaction than TPS, Margie. It's, it's just I a should, fantastic meeting for a that. A
5: great example of that will be on February 5th. We have a pre-conference workshop directly focusing on succession planning hosted really? by Rena Striegel and Transition Point Advisors. And it is exactly another example of that. Farmers sharing their stories Farmers Helping Lead Other Farmers Through Tough Processes, Tough Decisions, Challenging Times. This one specifically focused on succession planning. So if folks want to do a deep dive, we have a one-day workshop on February 5th at the very front end of our Top Producer Summit. Yeah,
0: front end of it. Okay. So again, where do we go for more information?
5: Absolutely. So folks go to tpsummit.com. You can get registered. You can also go ahead and book your hotel. Our hotel block does end uh, by the end of this week. So if you're interested in joining us, please do.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. We'll look forward to seeing you all down in Kansas City. Margie, thank you. Thank you, Chip. You bet. That is Margie Echelkamp, editor of Top Producer Magazine with the details of TPS 24 coming up next Monty Shaw from the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association
4: to produce higher yields and greater value at harvest timing is everything full scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction
0: Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady joins us right now. Plus signs in corn and wheat trade, Beach What's going on there?
6: Yeah, nothing more than some light corrective buying chip. Okay. Uh, so SRW wheat and, and corn futures trading to the upside. Uh, limited buyer interest in HRW and spring wheat futures. They're they're kind of pivoting around unchanged. So uh, just not a whole lot there. Um, you know, weekly export sales data uh, that's pushed back to Friday because of Monday's holiday. And and so um, you know, limited news out there um, this morning. And and uh, just corrective trade is all in those two markets.
0: Okay. Still got some pressure on uh, the soy complex, though.
6: Yeah, so, um, you know... the funds are big shorts in both corn and, and wheat. Um, and so that's uh, somewhat limiting their seller interest there. But in soybeans, they've just recently moved to a short position. And, and so it looks like uh, they're adding to that a little bit here. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about the weather in Brazil and, and the crop impacts that have already occurred because of the prolonged drought. Um, but the, the forecast shows that it's raining. And that's really in weather markets, what the, the uh, traders pay attention to is yeah. what the forecast is. And, and so that's mildly negative, and that's putting pressure on soybeans along with uh, meal and soy oil.
0: Yep, no doubt about it. Okay, take us over to the livestock trade where it looks like we've got more action in hogs than we do cattle.
6: Yeah, absolutely. So February hogs are, are pushing to the upside. Now, we had an uptick in the uh, cash index and not nothing major and, and nothing to get excited about at this point yet, but uh, possibly uh, seasonal lows in place. And, and so we're seeing some buying interest in the front end of the market in particular there, um, a little bit lesser in the back end of the market. And then the hog or the cattle futures uh, mildly favoring the downside yeah. as they await cash trade.
0: Good stuff. Thank you, Brian. Pro Farmer Editor, Brian Grady on Markets Now.
1: Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Dribble Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The truth is hard to come by these days unless you listen to Agritalk. Welcome
0: back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us on this Thursday morning. Uh, Biofuels uh, had a good year in 2023. We've been reflecting back on that a little bit and i want to continue that conversation with monty shaw executive director of the iowa renewable fuels association happy new year monty how you doing man well doing
7: so far so good but it's
0: you know it's pretty early i don't want to count my chickens here yeah that's right i hear you i hear you um as i said 2023 pretty good year for biofuels and some of the the progress that was made on some important issues right yeah.
7: I mean, I'm, I'm a glass half full guy. I'm a little frustrated. Um, you know, I'd like to know exactly what we're going to do on carbon scoring with, with the, the Greek model. You know, we got some very good news at the end of the year that they're going to approve the Greek model, but it's going to have some modifications. Right. You know, the devil's in the details. Uh, Secretary Bill Sack seems very confident that it will be good for agriculture. So that makes me feel good, but I'd, I'd still like to see that. And then we do have some ongoing frustration over, year-round E15 sales. Yep. Um, the the rule has moved from EPA to the White House for review, but it's still not final. It's nearly two years overdue. Um, we just need to get that done here in the next literally days so that we can be prepared for the summer. But from a production and use standpoint, it was good. I think margins were decent for plants.
0: So, I you know, I can't complain too much. Yeah, and the production levels that we were at at the end of last year were bumping up against the all-time... Um, all-time highs, right?
7: Yeah, I haven't actually sat down uh, because we have our big annual uh, Iowa Renewable Fuel Summit coming up here yep. literally a week from today. Yep. I haven't actually sat down and done some of my year-end statistical analysis that I typically do. So I know we ended strong. Uh, I don't know yep. how it ma- matched out year,
0: full gotcha. year on full year. Gotcha, gotcha. Speaking about E15, there was a press release out this morning that that uh, Montana Montana is yeah. on board. With the uh, sale of E15, it's the 49th state to approve the sale of E15. That auto launch, <laughs> come, come on, Monty, give me some hope that we can get year-round availability of E15 nationwide in 2024.
7: Yeah, you know, and this is where my staff gets mad at me because I'm, I'm like, hey, that's good news, and then I always think of what's next. So when I, when I yeah. see 49 states, I think. Gall darn California, they need to get, they've had the yeah. data to approve year round. We, we did the testing with them two years ago. It should have been approved a year ago, but they keep having staff turnovers. And I, you know, it's California, who knows. Now nationwide, um, that is going to take legislation. A bill's been introduced. Um, it even has the support of the American Petroleum Institute. Yeah. So big oil, quote unquote, is actually saying, hey, enough of this state by state stuff, let's get this done. But it is, it's being blocked because some small refiners don't like it. And and they happen to be in the backyard of one of the senators that sits on the committee that the bill has to go through. So, yeah. you know, it'd be nice if the White House would put a little pressure on there. Um, we're going to continue to pursue, along with Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, the, the multi-state, you know, eight-state state solution. Now, that's mm-hmm. not nationwide, but we think if that goes in, it'll put even more pressure to – have a national solution. So we won't have all these different rules in different states. Um, So we're going to try to fix it in as many states as we can. Hopefully that
0: leverages a national fix. Um, We'll we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. How big of a deal is that, Monty? Well, you know,
7: I think it's a big deal. I mean, you could say, hey, that's, you know, if if we magically went from E10 to E15 and it's not going to happen overnight with that. You know, it, it, it could be you on know, if you're the glass half full person, you'd say it's 7 billion gallons of new demand. That's huge. huge. If you're the glass half empty person, you'd say, well, with the penetration of EVs and all these new cafe standards and EV mandates, it will allow us to tread water. Well, either way, that's huge, right? So we need to get this done. It gives us breathing room to develop new markets, whether that's higher blends through a next generation fuels act that the national corn growers are pushing, whether that's through sustainable aviation fuel and other markets um, you know, E 15 is a key bridge to getting this done. And so we really do need to get it done.
0: Yep. Yep. When you mentioned carbon scoring money, it my my thought process jumped very quickly over to capturing bearing CO2 that's released in the ethanol manufacturing or making process uh, the controversial CO2 pipelines is there an update to the status of the summit carbon solutions pro- project?
7: Yeah, so I mean, we have a couple of different projects in Iowa, and there's a few more in states surrounding us. Hmm. I still feel good about them, right? Now, I'm frustrated with the delays because it's basically people who have been honest. They've said, We don't want low carbon biofuels because they will compete with EVs, and we want hmm. electric vehicles. I mean, it, they're kind of saying the quiet part out loud. They're just anti-agriculture is what it comes down to. But at, at the end of the day, you know, they're controversial because there's a small group of people who are, yelling, who are yelling really loudly. But, you know, 75% of landowners in Iowa have signed voluntary easements. 80% in North Dakota. They got ahead of us oh. here recently. Um, the, the, the regulatory process in Iowa is moving forward on schedule. I, there was nothing brought up in the public hearings that would give the utilities board a legal reason to deny the permit request. So I will be shocked if they deny the permit request. I think it'll be approved here in January or February. It looks to me from what I hear from uh, Governor Burgum in North Dakota that that process is moving forward and should move and should go ahead. And then you just have South Dakota where they're letting it kind of play out county by county. Um, yeah. But I think progress is being made there. A couple of counties have made it impossible for their ethanol plants to hook up to the pipeline because of setbacks that are physically impossible to meet. They're either going to change those or the pipeline's going to have to go buy them. I mean, you're not going to you're not going to stop a whole project because of two plants. Now, I feel bad right. that those plants would be left out and it would be very economically detrimental for those plants. And, and those county boards of supervisors are going to see their county hurt if they don't you know kind of figure out what's going on here because we do need accurate carbon scoring which is what kind of started this question and so we need a we need a legitimate greet model but it doesn't matter what model you use to count the carbon if you're not low carbon enough and the key to being low carbon enough for sustainable aviation fuel is carbon capture and sequestration if you don't have carbon capture and sequestration you essentially take the key to the largest new agricultural market in history and you throw it away. Yeah. So it's vital we get these things done.
0: Yeah, Secretary Vilsack has said the number many times. And every time he does, it makes my eyes go wide when he talks about a 36 billion gallon market for sustainable aviation fuel. So, and, and that's just in the United States. By 2050, it's yeah. expected to be over 100
7: billion gallons worldwide. Yeah. Think about what we did. The '80s farm crisis, when I grew up, sucked. The '90s weren't a lot better. We were just kind of in stagnation. Never, you know, overproducing our markets, waiting for that government program to kick in. It was not how we wanted to farm. And then in the 2000s, a 14 billion gallon E10 market in the United States literally turned around the economic fortunes of rural America. That was 14 billion gallons. Think what a hundred billion gallon new market would do on top of that it's, it's literally mind-boggling and, yes. and and that's why we're it's so important
0: yep okay you said it a week from today the 2024 iowa renewable fuels summit is taking place uh tell us about it chart our course is the theme yeah,
7: so first of all, people should know it's free and open to the public. All you have to do is register ahead of time at iowarenewablefuelssummit.org. You go to the website, you fill it out. They'll have a name tag for you. That gets you in. Cost you nothing. Thanks to our sponsors. Um, it's a one-day event. We are, we are loaded this year. I'm really impressed with Lisa and the group here that put this together. Uh, we've got Governor Reynolds coming. We'll have some presidential candidates. Emily Score with Growth Energy is going to be there. You mentioned Secretary Vilsack. He's going to be there and provide remarks. Uh, We have an expert coming in on the Middle East. Uh, We think it's a very timely topic just from a general interest, but also it affects energy and energy affects our business. So we have an expert coming in to talk about what's going on in the Middle East. And then we're going to have three really important panels. There's four main disruptions going on in agriculture today. Um, Some good, some challenging that are really going. That's why we chose chart our course. We really don't see this many major disruptions at the same time. Usually it's like, hey, we, we created a new ethanol market in the early 2000s. That was a very positive disruption. But well, right, right now you've got an EV disruption. You've got Brazil really looking to do to corn what they did to soybeans in the 90s. That's, yep. That is going to be a disruption. I don't think gets enough attention. We've got the sustainable aviation fuel disruption, which is potentially hugely positive. And then we also have this rapid increase in uh, soy crush uh, that is going to change markets uh, throughout ag uh, from trade markets to local markets to what that local uh, farmer does. So we're going to have panels on all these things. And hopefully it will empower the people who come to be able to chart our course for the best going forward. Yeah, very cool. Very
0: cool. Why do you do this free and open to the public? It's our
7: chance to get our word out. You know, um, we want to get as many butts in the seats as we can. Yeah. And thanks to many uh, gold and silver sponsors, please go to the website, Iowa Renewable Fuels Summit.org. You'll see the sponsors. They make it happen. We're not trying to make money off this thing. Um, We're trying to get a lot of people there because we'll have people from probably 25 states, half a dozen countries. It's the Midwest's largest biofuels policy conference. I tease the national groups that on a presidential year like this, it might be the largest policy conference all year. But but, but it's because it's free and open to the public and you don't have to fly to some place to to see it. So if you're anywhere near Iowa, January 11th, plan to come over the night before. We start right at 8 o'clock and uh, go through mid-afternoon. But this is world-class speakers. The speakers on these panels aren't just, they're not from Iowa these are speakers that would be appropriate for any panel anywhere in the world on these Absolutely. topics. We're just so excited to bring it and, and put it all in one day for
0: people. Triple W dot Iowa, renewable fuels, excuse me. Dot org. Dot Iowa, renewable fuels, summit. Dot O R G. Good stuff, Monty. Have a great time. And, uh, We'll get a report from you when things wrap up. Thanks. Thank you. Anytime. You bet. Monty Shaw, Executive Director, Iowa Renewable Fuels.
3: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
1: You suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk. And welcome back to Agritalk, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Your pal Davis Michelson here, Chip Flory, as well. Hi, Chip.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Everything betcha. good?
1: I think so. Okay. I think so.
0: Yeah, we're off and running. It feels like, you know, and, and it, yeah. it was, uh, I uh-huh. think it was important to feature a couple of Really important uh, uh, get-togethers that are happening in early 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, the Iowa, Bio- the Renewable Fuels Summit is it's a one-day event, and uh, it. I've not been to the summit. I've mm-hmm. always had something else going on. Uh, I would love to go and and hear this lineup of speakers. That is scheduled for for Thursday of next week, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's it's going to be a great meeting. We'll we'll have ears in the room. Let's put okay. it that way.
1: Yeah. Okay. Are they doing Are they doing a lunch with it too? Do you know? Um, Do we know?
0: I you know. I ha- hold on, I got it up. Right I here.
1: feel like that would go a long way.
0: You think it would? <laughs> I got a feeling. Well, heck, people got to get fed.
1: You got to have a little something to eat. That's you know, right. You bring a bunch of people in, you got to feed them something.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. No Pop Tart or
1: anything, anything. <laughs> uh, hey, we've uh, we've kind of talked about this quite a bit. Uh, there are some solutions to this Panama Canal problem. Oh yeah. Um, for the for the listener who who needs just a quick primer on this Panama Canal. Uh, they're now talking about addressing water shortages with some short-term measures and an ambitious long-term plan, uh, including damming the Indio River and drilling a tunnel. The canal plays a vital role in global trade and is a significant source of revenue for Panama. And, Chip, the problem here now is that the water levels at the Panama Canal, which is fed by a nearby sort of reservoir, lake kind of a thing. Well, it's
0: flushed. the it's, the
1: the vessels are flushed through
0: the system right. with the water from the lake.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Uh, the problem is the added expense and time that it takes to get through the lagging Panama Canal now is driving some of those routes around the Horn of South America. Right. Um, this is a problem. That adds oh. adds quite the expense. So during the dry season, one of the short-term fixes is the Panama Canal Authority will release water from Lake Lake. Uh, Alajuela, Alajuela, a secondary okay. reservoir. We'll see. That'll allow for 24 vessels a day, lower than the pre-drought capacity of 38 vessels, but a little bit better. And hopefully, they're—I mean, hopefully—they're hoping for rain in May. Yeah, <laughs> hope is not a strategy, right? That's right. It's barely a plan. It's barely a plan. No, <laughs> no. So, uh, I, yeah, you know if. It, what we need is for the weather to do the weather thing that creates the water, you know, that puts yeah. the water where it needs to be for the Panama Canal. And we there's just nothing we can do.
0: Right, right. Yeah, uh, and and it's uh, weather is what's going to cure two of the big problems that we're dealing with. Yeah, uh, with the the low water levels on the Mississippi River creating all kinds of issues in uh, in in moving product up and down that unbelievably important artery for U.S. ag trade, mm-hmm. and then the Panama Canal. And the more we learn about it from people like Mike Steenhook at the Soy Transportation Coalition and, and Ken Erickson, uh, as, as we have these conversations and you, you figure out it just how much effort you know, has been put into and needs to be put into these two waterway systems to help facilitate more efficient global trade, it blows my mind. But it makes me think that the long-term solution (laughs) that they are talking about, Davis, and I think you got some of the details in front of you. I do. the the, the long term solution might be very ambitious, but mm-hmm. so was digging the canal in the first place.
1: Well, that's right. That's right. Well, yeah. yeah let's let's not forget about the scale we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, because on a small scale, it sounds ridiculous to dam up any river. That in this case, they would be damming up the Indio River and then drilling a tunnel through a mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hollowed out volcano. Anyone? Um, but. <laughs> The thought is, let's drill a tunnel through this mountain, pipe fresh water eight kilometers, that's five miles, and if you don't feel like doing the calculation, into Lake Gatun, and that's the main reservoir for the canal. So they would basically dam up a river, create a new reservoir, drill a tunnel from that reservoir into the old reservoir.
0: Yeah, and then when the problem, wow if if the problem is corrected longer term, Mm -hmm. I guess you can put a cork in the tunnel. And shut things down and return it to what it was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and let the water flow over the dam, maybe get a little electricity out of it, something like that. But holy smokes, it's a, uh it is a huge project. OK, mm-hmm. it's a huge project in time and commitment and effort and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's two billion dollars.
1: Does Panama have that? <laughs> <laughs> Can they write that check?
0: U.S. Congress drops that on a nearly daily basis mm-hmm. just loses mm-hmm. it yeah you know there's money on the streets in america and it's two billion dollars might be uh an investment that the u.s would be looking at at contributing to i i would think i i don't know i don't know uh but we'll have to we'll have to see how that all Well, the problem is there's out.
1: some opposition some farmland's going to need to be flooded in order to do that right. plan
0: right, thousands of yep. farmers and ranchers uh, have lands that would be flooded for the reservoir and they are already lining up to oppose the project And hey I, how do you blame them? You can't blame them for that It's uh it it it, it can all be fixed by uh, by a more, cooperative mother nature and uh, recharging some of the so the, the moisture levels, water levels that we need to see recharged in some important areas around the world. All right. Hey, thank you so much for listening this morning. Interesting uh, topic right there at the end. I love that. It's uh, big plans. Come back this afternoon. Brian split ag market.net. And uh, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be away from the office, but Davis will be here. Keep the free-for-all rolling right along.